But Heavenly Father, we come to your word once again. And Father, as we look into another one of the churches, Father, that you sent a letter to in the book of Revelation, Father, I pray that we might see ourselves in that letter. And Father, that what needs to change in our personal lives, we would change that we might bring it in obedience to your word. Father, thank you for what you will teach us tonight, and we'll give you the thanks as we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. We continue our series, The Seven Churches. The Seven Churches of Revelation. And Revelation 2, we're picking up at verse 18. Verse 18. We've come to our fourth church, which is the church at Thyatira. Thyatira. It was halfway between and the other churches that are in here, two of the other churches, Pergamum and Sardis. And so it's pretty much, Thyatira was right in the middle of that. Uh, it was pretty much a military outpost under Alexander the Great, just a little background of understanding the city. Uh, it, was, it was there that we find a woman uh, was from that city who was converted under the ministry of the Apostle Paul in Acts. Does anybody remember the name of the woman who came from Thyatira? Anybody want to take a chance? Just shout it out. Pardon me? Lydia, you got it. Thank you. Lydia. Yes, Acts 16, we won't turn to it, but there you will find Lydia uh, and uh, how she came to know the Lord. This city was famous for agriculture, for one thing, but the second big thing of this city, and it wasn't a big, big, big town, but the, the second major uh, business was that of producing dye especially purple dye for clothing the purple dye only the rich people usually would be able to get clothing which was dyed in purple and of course when you see the um, that color purple what do you think of right away royalty yes exactly so people and 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 uh leaders and caesar they would they would order uh, outfits from this town, this city of Thyatira, uh, made of purple, uh, dipped in purple. But here is a little city that had a church. Churches, and, and some believe that Lydia brought the gospel back to that church. That very well could have been the, how the church got started in Thyatira. Today, do you know the city is actually uh, still in existence, but it's by a different name. The city is called Akishar, Akishar, which um, is amazing that it still exists. And right in the same, in that area, you can see some of the ruins of the ancient ancient church. But now, the Lord Jesus has chosen this church as one of the seven to which He's going to write a letter. Let's look at verse 18 together. Revelation 2:18. And to the angel 
of the church in Thyatira write, and again, that we believe that angel is, that is a word messenger, and we believe that refers to um, a pastor or elder of that church, overseeing the church. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, saying this. This is the only time that we see this phrase used in any of the letters written to the churches. Remember, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who is writing these letters, giving them to John, and these, these letters are going to be sent to the churches. So the Lord Jesus, and we know that from chapter 1, that we have the image of the Lord Jesus. He's described there. And, and no, notice here in verse 18, he's, he's given the title, the Son of God. Normally, you will see him called the Son of Man here in, in the uh, New Testament and in Revelation. But the Son of God, uh, it, there's a reason why Jesus would use that title here of himself. It's because he wants to emphasize his deity, emphasizing his deity. And then when he, part of that description that we read in Revelation 1, uh, he had eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze. Those eyes like a flaming fire, that gives us a picture of the Lord Jesus as a, as a conquering king. I love what Brother Jim shared with us tonight, that one day Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of this earth, and he's king of kings and lord of lords, and his throne will be set up in Jerusalem, and all the world will worship him under his kingdom, and we will reign with him, the Son of God. But he's coming back, as we've read in Revelation, when Jesus returns, this is, of course, after the rapture, after the seven-year tribulation period, Jesus returns from heaven on a white horse, and we ride with him. But he has that look. The description is very much like this, eyes of fire, and he's coming to judge wickedness on the earth, and judgment will come. But he begins this letter because he is going to be speaking to the church about judgment on the sin that he found and has seen in this church of Thyatira. And we're going to see that as we move down. So that's why we believe that he's describing himself in this way. But again, he's describing uh, the, the greatness and the deity of himself. Then we come to verse 19, and Jesus commends them. I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Are greater than at first. There's that phrase that he's used in other letters, I know your deeds. You know, we live in a day where there's, you know, uh, 
security cameras and everything. I, I mean, it's everywhere. Nowadays, you can't go anywhere without uh, being observed. You're under surveillance somehow, some way. Those of you who are carrying a phone tonight, they know where you are. Those who make those phones and, and those who are in, in authority have power. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much they know about each one of us, where we go, what we do. But Jesus Christ is the one who sees it all. And he, he lets them know, I can see you. And I think that this is a sobering thought. It is for me that Jesus Christ never takes his eye off me. He never takes his eyes off his child. He's never taken his eye off you once tonight. So that in your life, he has had a watchful eye. But that, of course, can bring joy. But it also can bring shame. If I am living uh, and doing things in such a way that are displeasing to him and disobeying his word. And so he says to the church, I know your deeds. I see you. But he, he commends them on this. Your love and faith and service and perseverance, or the word steadfast is also used there. Your steadfastness. He sees these. So this church has these qualities. And I thank the Lord that I have seen these in our church, Jonestown Bible Church. I've seen the love. We're celebrating 66 years of God's blessing this church as he raised it up. But through those years, what have we seen? We've seen the love that the church has had for one another and for the Lord. We've seen the faith, the faith of each one of you. Many of you, some of you have gone way back and have been faithful to this church. That word faith has the, the idea of faithfulness here, being faithful. And service. Oh, look at the years of service at Jonestown Bible Church. All those who were who involved in ministries, all kinds of ministries, and to this day. And God continues to see it, and he commends us for that. He, he's commending us just like he does Thyatira here. And then he says, and your steadfastness, your perseverance. Here he is speaking of that, that perseverance uh, when, which means that in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, or in the midst, <clears throat> in the midst of, of any kind of suffering, there is perseverance, there is steadfastness. And this church, no matter what was coming to them, uh, they, were, they were steadfast. They were steadfast. So they have these wonderful things, and, and here again, and he says, and your deeds of late are greater than at the first. Greater than at the first. And he's looking at that church and saying, you're continually growing spiritually. You're doing many good things for me. And so this church was continued to grow and thrive spiritually 
And so, and, and again, I pray that the Lord would look at your life and my life and, and he would be able to say that about each one of us. That your, your deeds now are greater than in the past even. That we've continued to grow in our faith and grow closer to the Lord and grow uh, stronger in our faith and glorifying him through standing on his word and and living for Christ. So here is the, condom, uh, the commendation. But then, of course, this is one of those letters where he has a condemnation to present to this church. We find it in verse 19 and 20. He says in 19, again, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, service, perseverance, These deeds are greater now than they ever were, but I have this against you. Boy, those are the worst words that the church could hear. Can you imagine that uh, having this letter read in in the pulpit in Thyatira some Sunday? Someone gets up and reads it to the church. He says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel. Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So what is the concern that uh, that the Lord has for this particular church it was sexual immorality, and it was all spreading because of one woman in the church named Jezebel. Now, we don't know if that was her real name or that was used uh, because of the Jezebel in the Old Testament. And any time, uh, by the way, does anybody have a child in your family that was ever named a girl named Jezebel? Why aren't there any raised hands? Isn't that a beautiful name? No, you don't hear any, any mothers or parents give that name to their girl. Why? Because of it, it's infamous because of, of, of the past, the, the woman in the Old Testament. And that's where we, we get a connection here. Because if this is not her real name, but it's used to describe her wickedness, we want to understand what he what the lord jesus is talking about uh the name jezebel uh has basically two meanings uh, it's it's difficult to know exactly what it is but it's it's either to exalt and usually exalt oneself or or, or chaste to be to be to be set apart but jezebel we find in First Kings. So I want to look at the Old Testament Jezebel so we can tie this in. First Kings 19, if you turn there with me. First Kings 19, and of course, this all revolves around Elisha. And so First Kings 19, and we'll pick it up at verse 1. <clears throat> now we know the, the story that uh, Elijah challenges Baal and the gods uh, of Baal. Uh, 
as on, on the mountain. And so, remember, they set up, they set up the altars. Um, the prophets of Baal set up their altar. And, and, of course, Elijah set up his. And then he said, you know, we'll see which, which is the real God and which God would send down fire from heaven. And you, we all know the story and the outcome. So at that point, we find that God sent down the fire and burned up the entire altar, the entire sacrifice here. And once that happened, uh, look, actually go back to uh, chapter uh, 18 here, verse 40. Just slip back to 1840. Then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and what? Slew them. This is hidden away here in, 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 in the Old Testament. But Elijah had those Wicked prophets put to death after it was proven their God that they were worshiping a false God. And so word got back to King Ahab. And of course, King Ahab at this time had this wonderful wife named Jezebel. And the queen, Jezebel, was not a Jew. She was a Phoenician. Okay, so... Uh, you could see why she would have hatred too for the Jews, even though she was the king of the queen of Israel. But we come now to verse uh, uh, verse one of chapter nineteen. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying. So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not take your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She makes uh, a threat saying, I will do everything to kill you, Elijah. And she was a wicked woman, wicked at heart. She had killed many of God's prophets, And here she's after Elijah in verse 3. And he, Elijah, was afraid and rose up and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So he's running for his life. But as we see here this, uh, this account of this wicked woman who was queen, All throughout history, that name has been associated with evil, wickedness, and immorality. And she held power. She had uh, uh, had, had the ability to, to harm the saints of God, the Jews. She was able to promote idolatry in the land of Israel. And this, this gives us a picture kind of of the um, the woman who we read about that is to come and the the, the woman it's uh, that is referred to in revelation who is really 
a, a woman uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, the, the religious uh, uh, system, you might say. In fact, turn with me to Revelation, back to Revelation Revelation 18. The woman here is called Babylon, Babylon the Great. Look at verse 1 of Revelation 18. And these things I saw another angel coming out of heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And she has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. This is talking, again, notice Babylon the Great is referred to as a she. This is the religious system during the uh, seven-year tribulation period where the Antichrist is rising in power. But there was, the, there was this apostate church, which is, is gathering together in the world. Once the, the real church, you and I, are taken away by the rapture, there will be an apostate church, a religion, on this earth where all religions will get together, and it will be considered Babylon. And Babylon is, uh, many scholars believe that Babylon refers to Rome and in, the, in the last days. And out of Rome and the Catholic Church, many believe that that is where the apostasy is really going to expand and and grow during the tribulation period. But then there is going to be a judgment on this this religious system, this uh, apostate church. And verse 3, look at verse 3. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her, what? Immorality. See that? And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that you may not participate in her sins. For there will be believers on the earth during this time, those who have come to Christ through the the gospel being preached uh, by the 144,000. Come out of her, my people, uh, Jews that have been saved, and don't participate in her sins, that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. What we see here in Revelation is a broader picture and a uh, future picture of what was happening in this tiny little church of Thyatira. This little church of Thyatira, they had a woman, and she called herself a prophetess. And she was part of the congregation, and she had uh, some 
some licentiousness and teaching to those in the church saying, hey, why don't you come and join me at the temple down here? There's going to be a party, and it's okay. We're, We're under grace. Why don't you come and let me introduce you to some women down near the temple? And, of course, there were uh, prostitutes uh, for each temple back there, the Roman temples in the different cities. And and immorality was rampant. And so what was happening was she was enticing Christians in the church to say, hey, go ahead, it's okay. Just let yourself go, you know, God forgives, uh, you know, go ahead and participate, you know, come and eat the, the meat at the feasts, and, and then come back to church on Sunday. So, you know, it's okay. And she was, she was bringing this uh, wickedness into the church. And is that not a picture of the church in America today? I mean, think of it, and what is happening to the the church in America. All of a sudden, you're hearing more and more uh, news reports of churches or denominations that suddenly are divided. They're completely divided because now, in our day and age, it's okay to have a homosexual gay pastor or lesbian pastor that they've churches have given the stamp of approval why because they have compromised with the world and suddenly they've let the world in and they've they said well yeah i guess so we 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 can do that and but we're we're still christians and we're still going to hold church and worship god but Suddenly, sin has entered in, and the spirit of Jezebel has, has infiltrated America, and it's worse today than it's ever been. And it started with when, in our nation, we began to redefine sin. I'm curious, when did God change his definitions of things? I haven't seen it anywhere in, 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 in his word. But the world has taken uh, words, different words, and said and, and made new definitions for them and said that, well, it really doesn't mean that. It means this, and therefore it's okay. And Thyatira was doing just that. They were allowing this sexual sin to be part, uh, you know, people sitting in the pews were... The, the leaders of the church knew that they were doing this, but they weren't doing anything about it. They weren't, they weren't confronting the sin in the church that, that, was, that was going on. And so basically, that's exactly what Jesus Christ is pointing out. If you go back with me to Revelation 2 then. Let's go back to Revelation 2. And again, here, notice in verse 20, when he said, I have this against you, you who tolerate 
Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, which means she was in the church saying, I got a word from the Lord. By the way, have you ever seen that on television or read that? Like, I, wait, I have a word from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. I'm a prophet. And God told me. You ever hear that? God told me. We've got to be so careful when anybody says, and God told me, because that is when, when Satan gets his foot in the door. And so she was a prophet, calls her herself a prophetess, and built herself up, and she teaches and leads who? Astray. Notice he's, Jesus says, my bond servants. My bond servants. We're talking about real like Christians. If he's, Jesus is calling them my bond servants, they have to be saved. They have to truly be born again. So those who were, were born again, many of them, and of course there were a lot, that, that, some that weren't in the church, of course. You've got the, the wheat and the tares. But he, she was coming in and she was leading God's people astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Verse 21. And I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. So this woman, no matter what they said about her, what Jesus sends in in this letter, and she is called out for her sin, she doesn't repent. And Jesus is giving her the, the chance to repent of her sin. Isn't God merciful? that even this woman, he would, would forgive. But she does not want to repent. Therefore, here comes judgment upon her. Verse 22. Behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness. And no doubt this happened to this woman, Jezebel. I will cast her upon a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless what they repent of her deeds verse 23 and i will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that i am he who searches the minds and hearts and i will give to each each of you according to your deeds but i say to you the rest who are in thyatira who do not hold to this teaching so there were those who were faithful and, and staying pure in the church. Those who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan. And by the way, anytime there is sexual immorality, um, Satan's right there. That is where he is. These, and that's where the deep things of Satan are known. The wickedness. As they call them. Notice that they're actually calling these things, uh, those who were following along with Jezebel and those who had taken up her false teaching, believing that anything goes, I can do whatever I want, I can be sexually immoral. And so basically Jesus is saying here, 
that they are saying that we've got we've got some deep understanding of the truth, but it's really the deep things of Satan. But he calls to the faithful and he says, you who have not known the deep things of Satan as I call them, I place no other burden on you. He's going to bless those that remain faithful. And look at verse 25. Nevertheless, what you have Hold fast until I come. Hold fast until I come. And dear Christian, uh, tonight, if there's something you're going to take with you tonight, take this verse, verse 25. That Jesus is saying, what you have, the truth you have, and the Word of God Hold fast to it. Hold fast. Don't let the, the, the world influence us and, and, and the sin which so easily besets allow to, to take grasp of us and be part of our life. But he says, hold fast. Hold fast to your purity until I come. What, what a beautiful statement right there. Hold fast, and Jesus reminds the church, those who have been faithful and not taken part of the wickedness of Jezebel in the church, that Jesus says, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. Do not be afraid. Hold fast. You may be persecuted, but I will come. And I, what, what a, again, we are, we are to be encouraged by that statement. Until he comes, Jesus is coming again, and he's going to repay those who have done wicked deeds, but he's going to reward those of us who have been found faithful. Those who have been found faithful. There are a number of scriptures uh, that we can go to where the, we are told, especially by the Apostle Paul, as Paul wrote to the different churches, he spoke to them concerning this very sin of, that was going on in Thyatira. And uh, to turn here to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with me. Turn to 1 Corinthians 7. And verse 1, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. And concerning the things about, about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Notice he states because of immoralities. And now, back in, 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 here in chapter 6, go back to 6, verse 18. Look what Paul says in verse 18. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. 
Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you have from God, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So Paul makes it clear to the church in Corinth, I know you are being tempted by the world to commit sexual sin. But he says, flee immorality. Flee it, because remember who lives inside you. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you, and you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he reminds the church, run, run, run from, what, from these things that the world will offer you. And Ephesians 5, 3, Paul wrote, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So if the Apostle Paul speaks against sexual immorality, how did the church of Thyatira allow it to just get in, infiltrate, and be part of, be part of, of, of the church? They didn't deal with the sin. And Jesus said, I'm going to have to come and I will, I will, have to, I will be judging her But go back with me real quick as we close to Revelation 2 again. I want to, because this one phrase may uh, alarm you when you first read it, verse 23. See verse 23? Jesus said, and I will kill your children with pestilence. So we're thinking, oh, this woman will bear children and Jesus is going to kill them all. Well, no, this is referring to when, when Jesus says, I will kill her children with pestilence, which just means disease. He's talking about those who have, have chosen to follow her, and she is like a mother to them. And they have agreed with her false teaching, and therefore they are going with her. And they're going out and sinning. And she is kind of the one that they're, uh, she's the one they're following. She's the one they're basically worshiping. And they've allowed her to call the shots and they've accepted her, her false teaching because she's a prophetess. So this children refers to those believers or those who claim to be believers who've lined up with her in the church. But Jesus is giving her and those who followed her and are involved in this sin, an opportunity to repent. But then let's drop down to verse 26. So Jesus has made it clear to them, this is the sin, and then he brings this word of encouragement again to the true believer. And he who overcomes, and that's for every believer in the church, every true believer, he who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And of course, that's the prophecy of the Lord Jesus returning who will rule with a rod of iron when he returns to earth and judges the the nations. As the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. So Jesus, again, is talking about his own authority, and 
And we know from Revelation that we, his bride, the church, are going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. What a tremendous thought. And then verse 28 says, And I will give him the morning star. I will give him the morning star. And this basically, the morning star appears just before dawn. And so this is, they, we're not sure what exactly Jesus means by this. But some believe it refers to the rapture of the church. But Jesus is going to give them the morning, give them the morning star. And then he reminds them of this concerning the truth that was just written. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, that we might continue to guard ourselves from the, the sexual influences that are out there because all of a sudden we are to what? Tolerate and accept everything that the world now says is okay. What God says is sin, and all we have to do is go back to Romans chapter 1 and we see what God thinks of the sexual immorality uh, of the world, that Jesus Christ is wanting his church to remain pure. And oh, that we might continue to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and allow our minds to continue to be renewed in his word so that, and ha- hide his word in my heart that I won't sin against him. And then we will know the blessing of the Lord. Oh, that, <clears throat> that we might be careful not to fall into the trap that Thyatira did. And listen to the voices that say, this is okay. This is okay. Come and join us. The world is calling, beckoning the church. And it's gotten into the church, as you know. And all the churches. And we're seeing more and more apostasy, sadly, because they've opened the doors and allowed anything to come in. May God protect us. And may the Lord protect our hearts. And may we seek to be pure in his sight. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the lessons you've taught us from this letter you've written to the saints of Thyatira. Father, we know that your church is imperfect. We are sinners saved by grace. And each one of us are capable of sinning until Jesus returns. But Father, with your help and the power of your Spirit, we can remain pure, a pure and holy bride that when Jesus returns, he would receive us and he would welcome us and give us a reward because of our faithfulness, Lord. Father, help us to leave here and be watchful and guard our hearts. And we ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.